Hello from the U.S. Center for Safe Sport and welcome to the Champion in Every Corner podcast series. By joining us today, you are actively helping us build a safe, rewarding sports community that prioritizes athlete well-being. You'll hear from experts in the field with innovative ideas to keep you engaged in the game. We want you to join the conversation by sharing any of the ideas that you have for topics at content at safesport.org. That email address is C-O-N-T-E-N-T at safesport.org. So please email us any of your ideas. And then for our listeners, of course, we have our one final important note. Um, Any information about or a reasonable suspicion of child abuse, including child sexual abuse, must be immediately reported to law enforcement and to the U.S. Center for Safe Sport. And of course, individuals must also comply with any other applicable state or federal laws. On this fourth episode this year, featuring the Minor Athlete Abuse Prevention Policies, or the MAP, we are looking forward to our conversation with Kelly Moon. Kelly is a parent and a coach and is here to share about how she has implemented the MAP as a coach and made sure that her kid was practicing in a safe athletic environment. Kelly lettered and was team captain in high school for cross country, swim, and track teams. Individually, she placed in the top 10 in the state and her team placed first. She graduated from Skidmore College and swam for Skidmore all four years. Kelly has over 17 years of experience teaching elementary and high school and coached high school cross country and track for six years. Currently, Kelly has spent the past three years managing the AAA hockey team, working with the center's sports situational prevention approach to develop safety policies for the Colorado Rampage, and she continues to run in her free time, completing over 23 marathons to date. So welcome, Kelly. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. I appreciate you asking me to be here. Absolutely. So we're going to really start off with our first question for you, which is, when did you first learn about the MAP, the Minor Athlete Abuse Prevention Policies? To be perfectly honest, when I was asked to do this podcast is when I first learned about that as an organization. However, it really um, goes hand in hand, like you mentioned, with the sports situational prevention approach where the process that we went through as an organization with them really just was uh, an outline for implementing the map. So whenever you went through that program, right, you're identifying some safety risks and looking at policies. So what policies did you implement on your team? To be clear, I am an administrator. I don't actively coach these guys um, on the ice. That's not a field that is my expertise, but um, as an athlete, I um, interact well with them, just knowing that how they're that competitive mindset and wanting to kind of do whatever it takes to get to that next level. So I administratively implemented quite a few uh, of the ideas that we gathered through the process of going working with the SSPA and it was it was a lengthy uh, extensive process where we we looked at different places around the rink around what we do every day where we are in other people's rinks we're on the plane we're on a on a on a bus we're in a hotel all of those places um, we looked we took a deep dive a deep audit into all of those places where our athletes go regularly and we said what could go wrong here how can we proactively 
think ahead and and implement something that would hopefully make them safer when they're doing what they are training to do, which is hockey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and thank you for for covering that, Kelly. As an administrator, right, the role that you play in creating those safe spaces for athletes. So let's talk about your role as a parent, right? Um, Did you have conversations with your kids' coaches about athlete safety or with your kids? Initially, that that was my role as I was, as they say, just a mom, which we know just a mom doesn't exist. There's plenty. <laughs> there is no just a mom. We do a lot. But uh, mm-hmm. as we as we bring our kids to practice and we watch practice and we see things that are happening. And that that was my role initially before I stepped into first a manager. And then I now I'm on the administrative side of things. I I definitely would see something and, you know, you hear about something in the locker room and, you know, this is when they're a little bit younger and, you know, they're, my kiddo joined the AAA uh, in Colorado here at 14, but he's been playing hockey his entire life. And, and so definitely would talk to him, but sometimes it, it can be hard as the parent role. You go, well, I don't want to seem whiny. I don't want to seem like I don't want my kid to be singled out because he felt uncomfortable. Um, I definitely talk to my kiddo about it and say, listen, you have to, you have to advocate for yourself. And sometimes that's a difficult conversation. They'll say, oh, I I don't want to bother anybody. I'll just take it. Um, so empowering them to, to advocate for themselves is, is critical. Absolutely. And then thinking about, um, the conversations that you might have with your kids' coaches. Did you have conversations with your kids' coaches or the organizations that your kids um, played sports in about what they were doing to prevent abuse or to promote safety? Probably not in the early years. You know, again, you don't want to be in in the hockey world. You don't want to be that parent that seems like your kid is soft. Um, So that's a bit of a culture um, teaching Mm -hmm. Culture shift is the word I'm looking for, a culture shift where you have to say, well, we're not being whiny, but we do want our players safe or kids safe. And, um, you know, it, sometimes what seems like a harmless joke, a little prank when when kids are in the locker room just kind of spirals. So that's what you definitely talk to them about it when it reaches a certain point, when your child can no longer advocate for themselves. So I do think it's a two it's important to have that two pronged approach. Mm-hmm. more you talk to your kid about this, you know, you, it's not the subject that you say, oh, get tougher, kid. <laughs> that those fun. Yeah, right. Sometimes it just it really just begins with having that conversation, mm-hmm. introducing introducing the topics of athlete safety. Maybe that coach has never had conversations about it before. Right. So you're just introducing these topics. For sure. I think that the. The way that, you know, we did sports as teenagers, it, it these things weren't talked about. And thankfully, now they are being talked about. It, again, like I, I just keep saying, it's a whole culture shift of telling people, no, it's not about just be tough and grit it out. It's, mm-hmm. it's identifying this is inappropriate behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so trying to shift that culture of um, kind of toughen up. Right. right. Yeah. Shifting that to no, it's it's not OK that someone's treating you like that or it's not OK that that kind of interaction's happening. 
So kind of shifting back into thinking about your work in administration, have you run into any challenges with communicating the MAP or the proactive prevention policies to parents? We, uh, as an administrator, we did, like I mentioned, we did the deep dive and many of our changes, um, policy updates occurred around those situations, those spaces where our kids are most vulnerable. So your locker room, like I said, in the hotel room, we are, we're a travel team. So we, in fact, we leave tomorrow on a flight to Providence and these kids are away from their parents. Mm-hmm. And they're, even if they're 16 and 17 years old, you know, they're, they're very close to adulthood, but they're still kids. So just identifying all those places and being very, very clear and not assuming that parents know what the policy is. So again, I think that's part of the teachable aspect of this, where if you as an organization are just absolutely clear and identifying it, the parents embrace it. They like it. They want more of it. And and I will say until we came up with uh, an actual written policy that's available on our website, we distribute it electronically to all of our family members and participants, everything was sort of a a verbal understanding. And that's just not good enough. When then you go back and something happens and you go back to say, well, what's our policy on that? There's there's no written word that says this is what we do and this is this is not allowed and this is how we're going to handle this situation. Um, I have found that our parents are welcome it Mm -hmm. there's a few holdouts that say well in my day but thankfully again those days are those days are further behind us than in front of us Mm -hmm. yeah so kind of whenever you're talking about how you might prepare for an event or an away travel like you're mentioning you mentioned that some of the high-risk areas are locker rooms travel so what are some of those things that you all put in place to make sure that those are safe places Oh, absolutely. Again, you just can't assume that kids know how to behave in those spaces. So uh, identifying what you need to do, what 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 do you wear when you're changing? When you come into the locker room, are you wearing a base layer? Um, what do you do when there's a co-ed locker room? Um, do you have a separate locker room or do you mandate that everyone wears a base layer? How do you how do you shower with in a locker room? You know, if a shower is available, what is our policy there? Just literally outlining it. This is acceptable behavior. You you are there for the purpose of washing. No horseplay. No um, you know no touching. Just things like that. And and again, not assuming and and saying some of the difficult things. To be honest, to say. Mm-hmm. Yep, we we said no touching in the shower and it causes a little giggles, but we said it. So now, you know, that's the appropriate thing. This is appropriate behavior. Um, Also, just again, identifying specifically when they're in a hotel. Again, we we have a travel that takes place as young as 14 and they're away from their way from mom and dad. There's 20, 20 hockey boys, um, not all in the same room, of course, but 
you know, there's there's three to a room and then, hey, come on over to my room. And then now there's six just hanging out in the room and then things things can go south. But also identifying specifically, how do you respect each other's space in the hotel room that you're sharing for the weekend? How do you shower? Who's allowed to be in that room and who's not allowed to be in that room? Just being very, very specific I, helps you identify with kids and parents. You know, I've we've had that situation too, where parents are go, well, it's my kid in this room. Yes, but these other two aren't your children, your child. So mm-hmm. here's where we're into a little bit of gray area here. But if if you've outlined it and detailed it, there's no gray area. Absolutely. So Kelly, it sounds like to kind of summarize all of that, it's really being specific about what the expectations are, communicating those expectations to the parents, to the athletes, to the coaches, so that everyone knows what the expectations are. And I think something else that you said too that was um, that was really helpful is we're not making any assumptions, right? We're not just assuming, oh, they already know that, or, you know, they're a 17-year-old boy. They should already know that. Uh, they need reminders, right? We're being consistent with reminding them. And then the other thing that I really like about what you said is um, is kind of looking, almost looking out for things before they come up, right? And I think that's the whole idea behind the map. There are prevention policies that are really supposed to be proactive. So we're looking out for potential risks before they even come up. Absolutely. Why would you wait for a problem and then react to it? It's, mm-hmm. it's, um, it's, it's just not forward thinking and and again then something has already happened and you have to then then deal with it um the other piece that is really critically important for hockey our season starts in august and uh, another thing that we implemented was um, for our parents we did a an organization-wide uh, zoom meeting and had a had a expert, our, our safe sport representative did a safe sport meeting for any parent to ask any question. It was widely attended and very useful um, because, you know, again, not all parents are going to do the safe sport training because they may not have the interaction, but it's good for them to know what is safe sport what what's its purpose what do i use it for how does it benefit my child but on top of that we had that for our as an organization we offered that and um but that took place in august well we're in december we have that we the other critical piece is we continue to have that conversation the refresher course if you will but just continuing to mention to kids because as we get a little comfortable with people things start to get a little, a little, you know, slack. And then, yeah, yeah. And I think that's wonderful that you provide that opportunity for parents to, to learn about safe sport, to learn about, you know, what their options are, what's available to them at the beginning of the season, right? That's all about being proactive, but then it didn't just stop there, right? We didn't just have that conversation and, oh, checkbox, we had a safe sport conversation for the year, Um, No, you're continuing that conversation um, because, you know, I say when I talk about the online trainings and the trainings that we have and how we need to continue to have these conversations is that it's the same with sports, right? You don't just practice playing hockey once and then you're a great hockey player. You need to consistently put in the work 
to be a good hockey player. And it's the same with, with these conversations about athlete safety and preventing abuse. We need to be having these conversations more and more often than we ever had in the past, which, which for some might've been once a year or never at all. Correct. Right. Yeah. And then Kelly, I just want to share too for our listeners that may not know about ESPA, because you mentioned the acronym ESPA. It's the Sports Situational Prevention Approach. And it's a new program that the center has that works with organizations to identify what potential risks there are, and then also identify what strategies there may be for those risks. So again, it's all about this, this idea of making sure that we proactively prevent any abuse from happening. And as you said, Kelly, really looking to identify those things before they pop up. Right. What I liked about what we did in that process, too, was they identified they long conversations with the players, co- the coaches and the parents. So they got all those different viewpoints, because what may seem perfectly fine to a coach, maybe a player says, actually, I feel funny in that situation. That doesn't and that doesn't feel good. And they were all um, very, very useful sessions. Right. Yeah. And I think having that perspective of everyone that is part of a sport organization, as you said, the parents, the coaches, the athletes, um, because I'm sure each and every one of those sessions, we probably heard something different because everyone has a different perspective. So speaking of perspectives and your parents, so let's talk about how would you like coaches to communicate athlete safety to youth athletes? I think that it's kind of more of just what we've been saying, just that that it's a constant conversation. Uh, You can't I I would expect coaches to look their players in the eye and say, this is acceptable. This is not acceptable. These are the things we want you to do. These are the things that are not acceptable. Um, and and really say what it is. I think that it's an awkward conversation, but we have to do that awkward moment as the adult in the room. We have to push past that awkwardness and emphasize because that frank and open conversation with the co- with the players would help the player if god forbid anything did happen to them because if the coach is awkward about it and they don't really want to talk about it and then something happens to the player they feel awkward about it and they feel like maybe I shouldn't talk about it coach didn't really want to talk about it, you know so i just feel like we have to have that openness and I would expect coaches to also be approachable. Uh, and, and it could be the assistant coach. It could be, you know, a manager such as myself, someone that's, you know, intimately involved with the day-to-day actions and the of the team that someone is able to connect with a player should something happen that that they know it's not this taboo subject. Yeah, so it sounds like, you know, making sure that that coach is really having a a serious conversation, that they talk about accountability with the team. And something else that you said that I think was really helpful as well is really explaining what we're talking about here, right? It's, it would not, if I went and did a policy training for a bunch of 16 and 17 year old boys, do you think that they would have a full understanding of what I'm talking about? 
Probably not. They'd probably fall asleep. Um, So it's really important that we really explain what it is. But we're also really serious in those conversations, because as you said, what if something does happen? And then that athlete feels like, oh, you know, well, my coach had this safe sport conversation, but they were kind of joking around about it or they didn't seem like they were really taking it seriously. Then then that really does potentially prevent an athlete from, you know, reporting something that's happened to them or or even just, you know, with the map in mind, what if they had an uncomfortable situation that wasn't necessarily abuse, but is still just uncomfortable? Exactly. Making sure they can talk about that. Yeah. So we've, Kelly, this has been such an awesome conversation. And I, I think our listeners are going to take so much from it. Um, but to kind of summarize everything, is there anything else that you think would be helpful for parents or coaches or administrators to know Um, when we're thinking about, you know, these proactive prevention policies? Well, again, I I think it's important for the emphasis to be on identifying things, situations where we, we can just get out in front of it, making sure you're, you're being clear and, and distinct and open with all members, all participants, anybody who interacts with your program, that it's a frank and open conversation about what's tolerated, um, who who to go to if you have a concern, that you know that your concern is going to be addressed appropriately, mm-hmm. and um, just that that emphasis that it's it's not something that you do in August. And you go, okay, whew, we got that out of the way. It's a it's a constant conversation, and that you model that as as the leaders in the room, as the coaches, the administrators, the, the team leaders, those types of things that um, you as an organization have to know what you want as your policy, identify it, be consistent with it in the implementation and the communication of it, and mm-hmm. I feel like that will. That will take care of a a significant majority of your issues before they are ever even a problem. Yeah. And that reminds me, something I feel like I always say is it's much better to be proactive than reactive. For sure. Yeah. You're always you're always behind the behind the eight ball in that Mm -hmm. situation. And um, the other piece you don't want to do is have a situation occur and then write a policy for it. <laughs> right. That, that's just not, it, it's not professional. Yeah. So we're, we're thinking ahead again, being that being proactive. Um, Kelly, thank you so much for your time and your valuable insight. It was awesome having you on the podcast. I appreciate it. And for our listeners, one final important note, information about or reasonable suspicion of child abuse, including child sexual abuse, must be reported immediately to law enforcement and to the U.S. Center for Safe Sport, and individuals must comply with any other applicable state or federal laws. If you have any confidential or anonymous questions, please contact the Safe Sport Helpline, and that's available at safesporthelpline.org. Thanks for listening, and tune in next time.